I'm going to get some t-shirts made that say you can have a lot of fun with a soft cock. Again, exploring is a good thing. If you set out with adventure in mind, who knows what you'll discover. Just after 11, I'm joined by, I think you know who, and it is time for Let's Talk About Sex with Tanya Coons. Hey, Tanya. Hey, Maya. How are you today? Good. What's cracking? Oh, lots of things. We're talking about the physiology of pleasure today. Always an interesting topic. Yes. So last fortnight, we kicked this conversation off talking about uh, vulvas and how to activate pleasure with people who are vulva owners, I want to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, gonna... well, work, yeah. Yeah. Different. Yeah. And it's interesting to sort of understand how everything needs to sort of, you know, get warmed up and swell up and get wet and move around and do all these sort of interesting things when we're, when we're getting a bit sexy. Yes. So I guess... Being someone who is already someone really good at giving advice, but as a sexologist and pleasure expert, what is something that you wish more people knew about when interacting with uh, someone who has a vagina or with vaginas? Yes, that's, a, that's such a great question. And I, I really get asked to sort of say, what do I wish people knew? But um, I really wish that people did know that they take time to arouse and that when you take the time for arousal and to allow that to happen, it can result in mind-blowing experiences for everyone, not just the person who has the vagina. So it's really important to, to know that if you can understand your arousal processes, if you have one or you're playing with one uh, uh, and you understand what feels good, you, you need to understand that um, vaginas and vulvas are um, designed to be on a rolling boil of pleasure mm. for hours, right? They're quite different to, to penises. Penises are they kind of arouse very quickly, come on strong, go well. You know, they're like a magnesium frame. They burn bright and they go out, right? Mm. Uh, vulvas are kind of like... Uh, a pot of water on the stove you need that flame underneath them underneath them underneath 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 and then then we can be on a rolling boil for as long as you like so definitely bodies that are designed for play i think people just haven't understood that because historically sex and sex education's all been focused around penises and folk with penises so there's a lot more interesting dynamics that we can learn by slowing things down taking time and making sure all the things that need to happen are actually happening. Mm. I mean, last fortnight you did mention that statistically, I want to say it takes what, like four minutes for someone with a penis to orgasm, but then for someone with a vagina, it's about 18 to 20. Um, in, this is in partnered sex. So uh, there's a measurement called IELT, the intravaginal ejaculatory latency time. Mm. That's for time of penis inside a vagina. And they're starting to do anal measurements now as well was it takes about five minutes they had a little bell-shaped curve of two minutes to five and a half minutes before ejaculation but in partnered sex for people with vulvas it was they needed right down the middle of the curve the median was um 17 and a half minutes right so that was i found that really interesting i was like okay so so uh, vulvas take longer, you know, uh, they, they need a while to warm up. They're like a beautiful old car, rev them up in the garage before you take them in. 
all that sort of stuff. And then I happened across uh, in, information or research on masturbation. And so they found out then it was a, uh, they were just talking men and women in this particular research. It was university college students. Average guy took four minutes to orgasm when masturbating, but average woman also took only four minutes. Mm. That made me really, really curious. I was like, okay, well, what's happening then in partnered sex? Mm. Um, and it seems to me that people just don't understand how how to get things warmed up, turned on, and, and yeah, how to get people with vulvas off. It's a bit of a mystery at times. A mystery. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's a good way to look well maybe not a good way but it is a good point to make and I, th I think it's also worth saying how you've mentioned before that only a small percentage of people with vaginas can have an orgasm from penetration alone what is it about the anatomy of certain vaginas that can cause this okay it's about 28 percent of folk with vaginas that can orgasm from straight penetrative activities and i actually think that's a revolving 28 percent. it's not the same folk all the time I think it depends on your partner and what you're doing, okay? So it's the distance from the external part of the clitoris, so the outside part of the clitoris from the introitus, which is the entry to the vagina. It's the size and the shape of whatever's penetrating you. It's the position of the penetration. It's how aroused um, the person with the vagina is because your clitoral bowls will be swelling and pushing against the vaginal walls. It's the person and, and their, their lover knowledge of their body parts and how they arouse right so I, th I think a lot of the time I think in the western world and we spoke about this last time there's a, a lot of push towards getting to penetrative sex really quickly and to have a, a sort of in a vaginal orgasm you really need to be kind of turned on and you're working on the internal stimulation of the clitoral system which takes a little bit more time because things need to swell up and engorge and and move around so it depends on who you are, what you're doing, and then also how your bits are designed and how well they're fitting together, whether we're getting external friction, internal friction, all sorts of things. So it's a bit of a moving feast. Mm. So what are some ways to achieve vaginal orgasm for those vagina owners who find it a little bit more difficult or a little bit harder? Um, yeah, good question. Uh, basically, it's done through stimulating the clitoral system from inside the vagina. So we were talking about how... Uh, last week we're trying it's hard to describe on air but um most people are familiar with that external part the little sort of nub that's that sits below the um uh, sits above the the labial folds but inside you've got these big bulbs that make their way that wrap themselves around the pubic bones and it's basically stimulating those from the inside so when everything swells up we've also got the urethra that runs along the top of uh, uh, over the top of the vagina and when we get turned on there's sponge around that that swells up and then that presses on the anterior wall of the vagina and that creates what we call the G-crest or historically known as the G-spot. So when you're pushing from the inside, if you can locate that, um, that will feel really nice and that can, that can help uh, people have what's called an internal orgasm or you can blend it. So with some external stimulation. So the external part of the clitoris will respond well to friction doesn't have to be fast because I think people think, oh, friction, that means rapid movement. But it can be just very slowly back and forth. It's just over the top of the skin. Uh, the internal parts of the clitoris respond well to pressure. And I don't know if folk have seen um, toys and sex shops that are specifically designed for this. There's a toy called the mango juicer that weighs a 
number of kilos. It's heavy. And you put it inside and crank the handle around slowly, like, and the pressure of it on the clitoral, uh, the, the G spot um, is what but you need to be for that to be happening. What I suggest to people is put your tongue on the side of your mouth. Have you got me there? We're fading in and out. Yeah. Put your tongue on the side of your mouth. Yay. Uh, and when you feel the tongue on the inside cheek of your mouth, that, that kind of feels like putting a finger inside a vagina. When you put your tongue at the back of your palate, so the back of, behind your teeth up there, feels a little bit rough. That's what it will feel like if you can locate the G crest. So if you can find that tissue that feels like that, spend some time stimulating there using pressure, not friction. Uh, and that, you know, if you take a fair bit of time, that can actually lead to squirting. So a lot of people say, how can I squirt? It's like, well, you've got to make sure everything's quite aroused and warmed up. It can take 15 or 20 minutes plus of stimulation for folk around that G, squirt, uh, G crest spot. Uh, and your body, you know, you definitely need your body to be in a state of arousal. It's not something you can, you know, stick some fingers in and go boom. Some people are very good squirters, but if you're trying for the first time, I advocate for taking time and relaxing and seeing what happens when your body's fully aroused. Mm, for sure. So what are some of the things that one can do to help their partners to achieve a vaginal orgasm? Is there a lot of differences when using a a penis versus a dildo for example or yeah um, well we're talking about trying to find the the, the g crest right so you can put fingers in like you've got control over your fingers you can move them around a lot more they're a little bit more flexible than a penis because it's attached to your whole body right so you've got to be angling the body correctly to get the penis hitting the right spot so it's a good idea to the tissues uh, and doing that with your fingers first um, and again, the, the same applies to a dildo. It's a little bit easier to maneuver and manipulate one around to check and see how things are before penises come into play. Because, you know, penises are also kind of unique in terms of having different bends and angles and orientations. So it really is going to depend on the two of you and how much you explore, how well you know your own genitals, uh, how well you know your partner's genitals, and how well you can get them into sync for that sort of stuff. Again, exploring is a good thing. If you set out with adventure in mind, who knows what you'll discover? Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> on mornings, we are on Let's Talk About Sex. My name is Maya Bilic. I'm joined by Tanya Coons, and we are going to come back right after this Turnbullin track and chat more about the physiology of pleasure, so don't go anywhere. in there with Wasted out of Louisville in the USA from forthcoming record Projections. I am with Tanya Coons here on Let's Talk About Sex. We are talking about the physiology of pleasure and we're going to hop to another question. Now, if one or if someone can't reach vaginal orgasm, what are some tips for using the clitoris and sex to be able to do so? Okay, um, good. another good question. I, I firstly want to say you're not failing if you can't achieve an orgasm from penetrative exercises. I think a lot of people think that they're failing. And I actually have a lot of guys come in uh, with their partner saying, my partner can't have a vaginal orgasm. Can you fix them? And I'm sort of like, mm, I'm not a vet and I don't do fixing. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, understanding that everybody's bodies work differently. And they'll often say, well, all my previous partners have been able to come this way. And I'm not entirely sure that might be the truth. A lot of people fake it or let people to believe that. Um, and for all of the reasons that we said before. So I really wanted to kind of take the pressure off all parties. Nobody's failing if people can't um, orgasm that way. Mm. Uh, so, you, you know, and also keep trying and exploring because it can take time to wake up parts of the body that you may not have played with before. It can take many, many, many attempts, right? So if you're wanting to use a, the clitoris, explore on your own first uh, if you're in possession of a clitoris so that you can direct your lover to what feels good. Right. I think a lot of times folk can find the external part of the clitoris and then they start to press on it like a button. And that's not great for, for, for many people. It's usually a too fast to start up. So if you want to be doing pressing stuff, you've got to wait and, and advocate for internal there. Uh, I suggest starting slowly and starting from the outside of the body and moving the way in. So, you know, maybe hint that you're going to touch the vulva and the clitoris, or you can be touching other parts of the vulva and not the clitoris, but kind of softly brush brush past and be like oh did I touch there oh and then don't come back for a while and then do another sort of hint touch uh, so that you get that arousal going really well right I think it's really important to understand that and our good friend Helen O'Connell who did the research all about the clitoris she discovered that just before orgasm the clitoris actually retracts back in behind the hood I think this is interesting for folks because a lot of people get very excited and tend to increase the friction when, when they feel like their partner is going to get close to orgasm. And I think this is particularly true for folks who have penises because friction does make it much more exciting for them and it can get them off. But for people with, um, who have clitorises, it, it's sometimes going slower is actually hotter and can tip them over. So if you're doing something and you're getting close to orgasm and suddenly you change up what you're doing, change the pace, change what you, where you were touching, and then you think, oh, no, no, I want to go back there because it was really working. Sometimes it's really hard to find the clitoris again because it's retracted back in because it was so close to orgasm. And people just, they're like, well, hang on, I was here a second ago or it felt good a second ago. I don't know what's happening. So that might be a little explanation for that. Mm -hmm. um, it does explain people are going this was all going fine and now it's really difficult to get to where I want to be um, so yeah I think slowing down um, making sure there's arousal time and just being really curious with your partner you can kind of do a little map like learn how the bits work and learn learn what feels nice what kind of what kind of friction whether you're rubbing your fingers um, left and right or up and down or whether you're doing a bit of a toggle motion on off on off or doing a circular motion experiment Firstly, with yourself uh, and secondly, with your partner on those sorts of things. Now, on that map, last fortnight, we, well, you mentioned it's a bit difficult to do a tour of the vulva on air, on radio. Can you recommend <laughs> any resources that are good to reach, to reach out to or to suss if you're doing a little bit of vulva homework? Yes, I can actually. There's a fantastic site called Oh My God Yes. It's a subscription site. They do give you a few um, videos free of charge, but they show lots of people going, this is my vulva and this is what makes it feel nice. So lots and lots of individuals showing people the way that they like to touch themselves for pleasure. It's absolutely fantastic. I watched it and, uh, when I first started. I was like, oh, my God, I thought I knew lots of stuff and here are people showing me yet again more interesting things. So definitely worth a watch. Um, warning, it's got full genital film 
work there. So if please don't open that one at work or when your boss is around, it's not a good one. Not safe for work. <laughs> yeah, and then there's a colleague of mine, Cindy Darnell. That's uh, a C Y N D I D A R N E L L. She has produced the Atlas of Erotic Anatomy and Arousal, and I think this is by far the best sex education tool I've seen for a very long time. She's got a number of videos uh, that you can purchase. I think the whole set is about $50. It's not very expensive. Um, and she talks, what, she's got one called Vulvapalooza, which is all about the vulva and how it works and what happens when it arouses. She's got squirts and gush gushes. She's got the penis is mightier than the sword. And she's got, but that's not all for butt sex. So there's a lot of talking through the anatomy and what happens. Um, and it's in beautiful language with lovely illustrations so that you can see all kinds of shapes and configurations of genitals there. And you can also take yourself up to workshops. I think, again, they're a little bit slow right now with COVID, but they'll come back uh, where you can learn yoni massage or uh, tantric de-armoring, orgasmic yoga or pleasure classes. So there are a number of things around. Just make sure you look for a reputable and trained certified practitioner running those workshops. Yes. Very, yeah. very, very important. Now, yeah. really quickly, I do want to touch on what the differences might be on how to navigate uh, a vulva or clitoris if someone or their partner is transgender or is taking testosterone. What, yeah. what should they do? Excellent, excellent question. Once again, um, let your partner guide you. Uh, I think it's always important in this case to seek consent to proceed because folks taking testosterone they have an ever-changing relationship with their genitals and sometimes there's a lot of dysphoria and it can change daily. So you can never assume that you know what's going to work today. So checking in what would feel good today, what could make this even better, how, you know, how would you like to be touched? All those sorts of things are really important questions. And understanding that people taking hormones can experience changes in their genitals. There can be a thinning of the skin, some atrophying of the vagina, which is the uh, skin thinning and drying out, extra sensitive or loss of sensitivity. The clitoris may not swell as much. So I'd advocate for using a lot of lube because it makes everything better. And then each time you're going to play, have a little chat about what's what. how are we feeling today? How are your genitals today? What are you up for today? Which I'd advocate for everybody, but it's particularly important with folks taking testosterone. Mm. Well, there you go. Communication is key. We are coming right back on Let's Talk About Sex after Your Does It All and Maynardo on Armadillo. There is a language warning right here. You are on Let's Talk About Sex. Your Does It All with Maina Doe on Armadillo. We are on Let's Talk About Sex here on Mornings with me, Maya Billick, with Tanya Coons. We've been going through the physiology of pleasure, how you can help uh, your partner out who happens to be a vulva or vagina owner on how to work through different avenues of penetration, I want to say. Now, we want to really quickly go through, Tanya, what would you say are some general barriers that penis owners might face that are mental? And what are some tips for your partner to help work through that? Right. Um, lots of barriers, actually. I think when it comes to sex, all folks have barriers, but... 
for folks with penises, um, there are definite sexual myths. Uh, things like men, or if, if you have a penis, you always feel like sex. This is so not true. Um, that uh, you should know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Uh, also not true, and that puts a lot of pressure on folks. And that you need a hard cock to have uh, sex, good sex. Or your, cock, your penis needs to be hard all the time. I'm going to get some T-shirts made that say you can have a lot of fun with a soft cock because it's not true that you need to have a rock-hard erection when you're having sex. Uh, it, you know, erections wax and wane. So if you're doing lovely things that make your partner's eyes roll back in their heads, you don't need to have a rock-hard penis. You only need it to be very hard for penetration-style sex. Um, and I like to tell people too that your penis is at its most sensitive when it's 60% erect. So it doesn't have to be rock hard for full effect. And that's a very important thing for folks to know. Um, also, people feel like they need to act like the, the penises they see in porn. And I think that kind of sex would be uncomfortable and even painful for many folk with vulvas. You know, they don't really be banged into the headboard and they don't want to have no warm up time. And, you know, not a lot of people want to have all their holes filled simultaneously while having abuse hurled at them and no warm-up. So please remember that uh, porn is fantasy and it's adult entertainment, not adult education. I also think that folks with penises worry a lot that they may use their erection so they rush towards penetration and stop, you know, do less warm-up. Uh, and if we focus on pleasure and fun rather than performance and outcome, they're going to have a much better time during sex, much, much better. So slowing it down again is going to be really useful for them. Mm. So recapping, we've talked a lot about some of the problems vulva owners might have to overcome uh, their pursuit of pleasure around a lack of education. What would you say, Tanya, some of the challenges that a person who has a penis might have to overcome when talking pleasure? Yeah, just slow it down. You know, it's not all about the penis. And, you know, you, to remember you only need to be hard when you want to penetrate. Focus on pleasure and play, right? I think people worry about, you know, coming too quickly. I mentioned earlier that the average person with a penis lasts five to five and a half minutes um, uh, on penetration. Anxiety can make you come faster if you have a penis and slower if you have a vagina, right? So that's an interesting thing to note. Uh, if you can't come, it's sometimes from excessive porn use. It's sometimes the way you've learned to masturbate. You could have what Dan Savage calls the death grip, where you grip the penis really tight and use an excessive amount of friction to get to orgasm because that's very difficult to replicate with a soft, squishy human body. Right? So you might be getting off one way with your hand but unable to match it. Um, people worry about HIV or pregnancy, STIs, so they're busy in their head. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's not all about penetration. Focus on outer course and connection and lots of it. Um, and often when I'm banning penetrative sex for couples, if the, if the person with the vagina has painful sex, the person with the penis is like, what are we going to do? Oh, my God. And then they come back a couple of weeks later and going, we're having the best sex I've ever had and there's no penetration and I can't believe it. I'm like, yeah, don't forget there's all sorts of other parts of your body. And on a, you know, on a little... Parting note, don't forget your balls. They feel good too. They're often sad and neglected. <laughs> Poor things. 
We are going to leave it there on Let's Talk About Sex today. You can listen back to the podcast anywhere you get your pods from. Just look for FBI Radio and Let's Talk About Sex. Tanya, thank you so much for coming on. We will see you in a fortnight, I think. Yes, a fortnight it is. It's always a pleasure, Maya.